Welcome to In the Middle of It. I'm Amy Kelly, and I am passionate about supporting you on the front lines with your middle schoolers. As a former middle school teacher myself and a parent to two teens of my own, I get the roller coaster season that you're in. That crazy making, joy inspiring, incredibly fun, and sometimes frustrating ride of loving the teens in your life. Each week, I'm going to be sharing actionable stories and strategies to encourage and equip you on your journey. If you're a parent or a teacher who's looking to forge a connection that lets your teens know they are seen, heard, and loved, and if you are ready to show up as the grown-up they need, you are in absolutely the right place. Let's get started. Well, hey there and welcome, my friends. I am so excited that you've joined me for the second part of my conversation with Erica Wright, all about the process of repair with our teens after an argument or fight. Now, in the last episode, Erica and I talked about what the repair process looks like during a conflict in the heat of the moment. Today, Erica is going to walk us through the repair steps to take afterwards, after you've had an argument or a fight or some kind of conflict with your teen. Now, I just want to remind you that these are skills that are applicable to all your relationships. So I definitely want to encourage you to grab a pen and something to write on so that you can take notes because this stuff is gold. And if you haven't listened to the last episode or even the one before that where Erica has been my guest, let me tell you a little bit about her. Her focus is on romantic partners. And as I said before, the skills she teaches definitely apply to all kinds of relationships. And she's actually a relationship coach and a connected communication specialist who empowers individuals and couples and families to cultivate a deep emotional connection, which is where her work and my work really parallel because isn't that exactly what we're trying to do here at In the Middle of It? We are working on creating deep connections with our middle schoolers. So she does that in terms of romantic partners. And she also helps build up that trust and that love in between within a relationship using the power of connected communication. So again, I love, love, love her belief that incredible relationships don't just happen, they're created. And again, that aligns so much with what we talk about here, because we talk a lot about being intentional in our relationships with our middle schoolers and teens. So she is super passionate about sharing the practices and tools that are needed to create that kind of love and connection that we all desire and that we all deserve. So Erica is an expert in identifying the root of relational and communication issues by examining subconscious habits and patterns. Her work really focuses on kind of rewriting and rewiring those subconscious habits, patterns, and blocks so that you're free to create an adventurous life full of peace, love, and freedom. Now, I will also say that Erica has some really great resources that she has available for clients. So if Erica is someone that you would like to work with, either um, with her as a one-on-one coach, or she also has a self-paced program that you can go through, you definitely want to check out the show notes for this episode at theishgirl.com forward slash EP152. And you can find links to all of those resources there in the show notes. Okay, again, grab that notebook and something to write with because you're going to want to take notes, friends. 
Let's get started. Yeah. So outside the moment, this is where the real lesson is learned. There's an opportunity to heal that trigger and get to the root of it. So it doesn't keep repeating. This is a self-awareness and examination process. And part of it happens on your own by yourself, where you're journaling, thinking, writing, whatever it is, uncovering what the heck just happened here. Why was I so triggered? And then coming back and actually having the repair conversation with your partner outside the moment repair for First, before you even think about having that conversation, you want to untrigger your brain and your body. And the way I like to do that is just first by just observing it. What just happened? Be the detective here. The key piece here is separating the facts from the story. In your recount of what just happened with your partner, you'd be like, oh, they were so disrespectful and so rude and blah, blah, blah. And they always do that. That is all your story. That's not the right. actual facts of what right. just happened. I use a model called the thought model. And um, well, yeah, we totally know the thought model. Yeah. If people are interested, I think I have a couple of episodes where I talk about it. I'll put those in the show notes too. A fantastic tool. Really great way to observe your brain and neutralize a trigger. And oh, that thing can be used for all sorts of things, but it's the CTF. AR model and just looking at what's the neutral circumstance. If there was a video camera in the room, what would it pick up on? What would it right. see? Rather than like in your example of he was so disrespectful to me, it would be he said the words, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. The circumstance, it's got to be proven in a court of law. Right. Everyone must agree on, yes, that is observable. And so then from there, you want to look at your thoughts about it. What are the thoughts you're having? And this is all your interpretation, or as I say, your story. This is mm -hmm. where we're meaning making machines. He said X, Y, Z. What did you make that mean? If it's your husband about him, about you and about the relationship, where's right. all that meaning? You'll start to see as you dump out your thoughts on paper, that those thoughts are the actual thing that triggered the emotional response in your body. Looking at how our thoughts actually create and trigger our emotions. This is just a great process to neutralize whatever just happened with you and your partner. Once you get all your thoughts down on paper, you can start to explore, well, what are the feelings that are showing up here? What are those emotions? And initially, it probably is anger or frustration. <laughs> That's usually what surfaces first, especially in the moment. But what I will ask is just look a little bit deeper than that and see what emotion is underneath that. And for me, it's typically inadequacy. Okay. I'm not good enough. I messed up again. I'll never be able to do it right. Really, that's the core emotion that comes up because at the root of so many triggers, it's like, I'm unlovable. I'm not good enough. I'm not safe. Those core yeah. needs for sure. Right. If you're going to go through this whole thought model, right? Just looking at, okay, well, then what was my action? Well, then I said, blah, 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 back to him. And this whole thought model happens within a matter of 30 seconds sometimes. And then the result, that's the most important thing to kind of examine and look at, wow, okay, him saying this, me making it mean this, and then saying this back, breaking down connection in our relationship, essentially. We can explore all those results, but tuning in, doing some journaling, taking a walk, do something to come back down to neutral yourself and get to the root of what your trigger was all about. Because we hear it's not about the dishes. Usually there's the bigger thing going on underneath that's been building up. The dishes are just the straw that breaks the camel's back. Right. And I think once you start going through this process and really analyzing and looking at what your arguments are about, I don't know about you, Erica, but yeah. I have found, oh my gosh, we're having the same argument over and over yeah. and over 
in different contexts, but yes. it's all about the same thing. Really can boil it down to a couple things that couples argue about and it's power struggle, wanting to be right, wanting to know that you're seen and heard and validated and understood, and then wanting to feel secure and safe. And I'm thinking, again, you can absolutely apply that to your kids as your teens yes. as well. It's about power and control. It's about validated and seen that valid, their opinion yes. matters. They want to know that they matter and that they want to feel safe and secure. So they matter, they're safe and secure. And then the whole control piece, which I think that's the tricky one a lot of times with teens. Yeah. The whole line you're walking of how much do you right. share? How much do you? Yeah. Oh, the whole road to independence, yeah. right? Oh, yes. <laughs> this is turning long-winded. In the show notes, we can make it very bullet-pointed and simple for you guys. Oh, yeah, but this is great. No, this is so, so, so good. I just love the flow of conversation. Oh, yeah. Things come in as we speak. In this outside-the-moment four-step process, it's like you're first coming back to you, getting to the root of the trigger, really examining your role in the dance and getting yourself back down to neutral. Because if you try to go have the repair conversation when you're still triggered and you're still in fight, flight, freeze mode, your brain is still hijacked and all those stress hormones are there and nothing will be solved. Right. <laughs> and as you mentioned before, check in with yourself before you come have the conversation with your partner. What is your intention? Yes. Why are you having that conversation? And if it's to prove a point, or make them feel bad for making you feel bad or anything other than repair and connection. You got to do some more journaling, go on another walk, <laughs> meditate. Yes. And I would even say you want to get to the point where you want to understand as much or more than you want to be understood. Yes. For sure. Part of that process, getting clear on what happened on my side of the street and then mm -hmm. what happened on their side of the street. Yes. And given their history, their background, their childhood, their traumas, their belief systems, why did what they did or said, why does that actually make sense given their circumstances? Yes, because everyone makes sense. Oh my gosh. Understand all those motivators. Understanding your world and then understanding their world. You want to take that time so that you can come back and share that in conversation. Right. That's basically what you're doing in this repair conversation. You're sharing, here's what I learned about me. And I see over there in your world, I totally get why you said that. It makes sense. Right. That's the validating and empathizing piece. Right. And I do want to encourage my audience too, because I feel like it can sound tedious if you're not a natural journaler or, or if you're not naturally self-reflective. But I think the more you practice this, the better you get at it. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, I've been able to go through the thought model process. Yeah. It's always better if you can write it down, but I think yes. I can go through it mentally and come to a solid conclusion about, okay, here's what I was feeling. Here's my part. Here's what happened. All of those things really pretty quickly because I've practiced it so much. It, it's a skill set. Yes. This is not something that's taught in school. We just right. don't learn this. It's not your fault that you don't know this. And so again, yeah, it's a habit. Again, I said, we get our habit, this self-reflective self-awareness piece. Good total mm -hmm. habit. Yes. That gets just automatic once you practice it enough time. So even if it's uncomfortable at first, it does get easier and, yeah. and feel more natural, come more naturally. Totally. And there's so much relief in being able to actually see the root of why you're fighting 
we get lost in the chaos of the fight. And it's like, why are you fighting? I don't understand. Blah, blah, blah. But it's like when you can go back and get in touch with, oh, wow, me thinking that about my partner led to me feeling this way. And then I reacted. You're in this kind of detective process mm-hmm. that I see some couples where it's like, oh, these fights just happen out of nowhere. What do we do? We don't know how to fix this. And this is how you can fix it is by observing it step-by-step. So once you've done your self-reflective detective work and examining your thoughts, your feelings, what you're responsible for, your part in the dance, what did you need more of? What's that unmet need? Was was connection missing? Was safety missing? Whatever it was, just all of that. Then you can come back and, and have this conversation where you're essentially sharing what you just gathered on your own and acknowledging the impact on your partner. The first piece of this, you know, into four step things. So first observe it. The next step is schedule it. This is one that is so simple, but it just doesn't happen most of the time. And I made it its own step because it's that important to actually get consent from your partner. Are you willing and interested and ready to actually have this repair conversation with me? I love that because we can barrel in and want to have it and totally They may not be ready. They may not be out of their triggered brain yet. Yeah. They may not have had a chance to reflect. For timing, I I feel like in relationships, usually the timing of how you process things does not match up. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's part of honoring boundaries and respecting your partner's needs. And even if you're feeling really antsy, like, oh, like I need to get this solved or we need to repair right now. That is a time for you to self-regulate meet your own needs for calm and peace in that moment, because you don't need to have this conversation with your partner to come back to peace. Say that again. You do not need to have this repair conversation with your partner for you to get back to peace. Or with your team. You do not need to have this conversation with your team in order to get back to peace. Yeah. That's profound. That is profound. Because we're in charge of our own emotional well-being. We are. We are. And we so much rely on external circumstances to help us regulate our emotions. But that is a recipe for disaster, right? Because it's just we can't rely on external stimuli to regulate our emotions. Otherwise, we are just a puppet of life. Oh, that's I have not heard it put that way. You're a puppet of life when you are externally regulated. Yeah. It's like the wind blows and you move here. The wind blows, you move over here. And a lot of the way the wind is blowing is uncomfortable and not good and circumstances that aren't great. Right. Mm -hmm. So we can't be reliant on external stuff to be happy. We are so in charge of our own emotions and we don't need our teens or our partners to do anything differently to feel better. (laughs) <laughs> if you want to think about it that way. Yeah. It's pretty and intense. drop the but... mic. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark, thanks for being with us, Erica. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Changing right. other people around us is just, oof, that's just not an effective way of feeling better. <laughs> no, it definitely is not. But I think it is beneficial to try to have the conversation. Yes. But yeah. you can't rely on it to feel better. Right. Yeah. And that's part of the whole piece of step one, where I'm having you just observe it in that process. You can meet your need of peace groundedness in just observing it. Yeah. And so going back, just to make sure I understand. So first you're regulating your emotions and observing it. That's step one. And then right now we're on step two and we're having a conversation. It. 
Yeah. So schedule it, scheduling it, observing scheduling, which is boundary respecting. I really like that. Yeah, exactly. It's just as simple as, Hey love, I'd love to talk about what just happened or what happened yesterday and is now a good time to talk. And if it's not a good time for them to talk now, then pick a time and schedule it, but don't just let it linger into the ether because then things will get swept under the rug. Okay. And this, I do have experience in with with my teens because Mm. this is a hard part because when you're giving them the option to put it off to another time or to wait until they feel better or ready to talk, that's a really hard piece of, I would call it control really Yes, to give up, but it's so beneficial because you're demonstrating such respect for them and they are going to get that. The other challenging part, at least for me has been, okay, if I totally get that you're not ready to talk about it right now, but we do have to talk about it. So when I like the idea of scheduling it, because then you're putting it down for both of you and making it a priority, you're prioritizing. Yeah. I would say the other really, really powerful thing about respecting if your kid or um, partner isn't ready to talk is that in letting that go and letting them come back when they're ready and scheduling a time, you're also teaching them that they don't have control over your emotions. Mommy doesn't need you to come have this conversation for her to feel better. Oh, that is fantastic. Because it can be so scary for a kid to think, oh my God, I have to do this, this, and this. So my parent feels better. That is really ineffective. It's a recipe for codependency, enmeshment, all that fun stuff, all the fun things, that's anxious attachment. So it's really cool when you can be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be totally fine over here. You just let me know when you want to schedule that conversation, but I got me, I'm fine. I don't need you to come have this conversation with me right now to feel better. And then step three is owning it. And so this is where you're actually entering the conversation. And again, you want to tune into your energy, your vibe. How are you feeling, right? You want to enter in a peaceful, calm, cool, and collected state with the intention to connect and repair and feel better for both of you. Right. And I will say, I know... In my counseling experience, Mm -hmm. having been counseled, I'm not an official counselor. I have found that there was an old way that I would do things, which was, it was a pattern I had learned. I think it was some kind of in-service when I was teaching school where you do the whole formula of when you did blah, blah, blah. I Mm -hmm. felt blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Because blah, blah, blah. Right. Which served its purpose. But I think what I've learned more recently is being able to say, I feel, and then you fill in the blank of those emotions Mm -hmm. and being able to communicate that way. And it's very neutral. It's not blaming. It's not, you're owning your emotions. And so being able to start a conversation off that way is really helpful towards moving back to connection. I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What you're talking about too is sharing your experience mm-hmm. is what I call an inarguable truth. So right. it's like they, and to go even a step deeper, because you might say, I feel disrespected, but if you have different opinions of disrespect, that's not going to work out very well. And then also, right. even when you say, I feel disrespected, the other person over there is hearing they're blaming me for disrespecting them, right? Oh, that's a good point. That's a really so, good point. So taking it a little layer deeper into the inarguable truth is to actually share what's going on in your body. 
Cause that is inarguable. Oh, I love that. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's yes. like, it's like right now I'm feeling like so much heat in my face or, you know, in the moment, you know, whatever you hopefully you're calm, cool and collected, but you can use this in the moment, but like, I'm feeling this, I have a pit in my stomach, whatever or, it may be. Or even relaying. And we had that conversation when yes. we were arguing, my face felt red, my stomach yeah. hurt, my chest yeah. felt like there was a rock on top of it. I couldn't breathe like those yes. types of things. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, coming back to these mirror neurons, right? When you're sharing your experience like that, your partner's mirror neurons will fire and start registering. And that's where the empathy comes into play. When you let them in on your bodily experience, then they can actually kind of tune into your emotions as well and start to stand in your world. I love that. I love that. Yeah. In this owning it phase where you're actually entering the conversation, you mentioned coming in and sharing that inarguable truth. I feel letting them in on the bodily sensations. Yes. And then another piece of this too, if you're the one that's leading the conversation, part of this owning it in step three is there's something you did or said that had a not so great impact on your partner in for looking at it from you having impact on them. Right. Right. And usually there's impact on both sides, but sometimes one of us starts it. Right. right. So focusing first on the impact, not the intent. And what I mean by that is it's very natural for us to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it that way. Apologizing and then backing up your defending really your intent oftentimes it isn't effective or just doesn't land well, but what really will help your partner feel understood and seen and validated is if you focus on the impact that whatever you did had on them. Yes. And rather than just an apology or I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. You shouldn't have taken it that way. Right. Like these or, are things. Right. That's right. Or I'm sometimes. sorry you took it that way. I'm sorry you took it that way. Right. So I'm sorry um, you feel that way. <laughs> I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeah. That's not super not effective. Mm-mm. That gets into the land of justifying and explaining and defending your side, which then immediately will put the other person in defense. I'm unsafe defense mode. They're not seeing me. They're not understanding me. So, you know, what you can do is say, Hey, I realized that I got home 30 minutes late and that must have been really worrisome for you. Totally understand and see why you had the reaction that you did. Part of this owning it too moves into step four, which is understanding it. And again, in your sort of pre-work, understanding why they had the reaction that they did, why are they hurt? Why are they mad? Being able to validate and empathize their anger and their hurt by standing in their world is gonna help them feel safe and calm, cool, and collected while you're having this conversation. What I feel like with the step three, the owning it, what I heard yeah. you do was you listed out, you stated what you did. Yes. Like the behavior that you yes. did. And, and again, so, the neutral facts. The neutral facts. Like, yeah. so I came home late or yeah. with my teens, I would say, I haven't done the grocery shopping yet this week. Mm-hmm. You must be really hungry and frustrated that there's nothing for snack. Something along those lines. Or I see that you are hungry and frustrated. Yes, I see. Yeah. That just that observation, it looks like you're hungry and frustrated, right? right? And I totally get why you're hungry and frustrated and observing yeah. it and um, stating what's right. And what I've also found in that step is when you state, like, I see that you are feeling or yeah. I, whatever you're observing 
sometimes I've gotten it really wrong. And yeah, the response that comes back is like, no, that's yeah. not it at all. Yeah. This is what it is. And sometimes I'm kind of gobsmacked <laughs> by what I yeah. thought in my head, but what the story that I was telling myself yeah, versus what the other person was actually thinking and feeling. Totally. And definitely want to be cognizant of that because that's us projecting our ideas, stories, and emotions onto them. Yes. And their experience might be completely different. So in this owning it phase, you could even say, I haven't done the grocery shopping. How are you feeling? What are you thinking over there? Like getting curious, open-ended questions. How is that for you? What's going on? You could say, I sense that you're frustrated. Is that true? Or what's happening over there? Definitely. If it does go that way and they share, yeah, like I'm really annoyed and frustrated and I'm starving mom, right? Then yeah, step four is, is understanding, validating and empathizing with their experience. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. And sometimes it can be as simple as just that. I get it. I hear mm -hmm. you. I totally understand. It makes sense why you're over there angry. Mm -hmm. Then at the end of all that, if you really still feel like sharing your intent is important, like, and I didn't mean to have you hungry or mad or whatever, really validating the intent, um, sharing your intention is null, in my opinion, if you're truly practicing conscious, healthy relationship, because you should theoretically know that their intention over there is not out of malice and out of trying to hurt me, right? And if you start to question your partner's intention, then there's got to be a conversation about that too. And I'm thinking in the context with teens, I would say it's a good time to ask an open-ended question, just a question. In that example, I would ask, do you want to hear about why we don't have groceries or helping them? I'm sure I'm not saying it in the best way possible, but I think my goal here would be to help them understand mm -hmm. that, especially as teens, when their world can be very narrow yeah. and self-focused as part of being developmentally appropriate, that I have things that come up during my day too, helping them see the holistic picture yeah. versus just the moment. And in that particular example, and I would say in anything else, making sure physical needs are met is going to be one of those things that you need to do to regulate. So, oh yeah, the time sure. to have that conversation would not be while they're still standing in front of the open, and open hungry. fridge, yeah. right? right. Like, it would be totally. maybe like after you've eaten dinner. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. I think you'll discover as I have that saying, I'm sorry, sometimes just isn't even necessary. It's just a funny thing that we picked up in society along the way and saying, I'm sorry. And that's not necessarily what people even want to hear. They just say, yeah, not helpful. It's sometimes mm -hmm. it's not helpful at all. I'm sorry is missing the acknowledgement of the impact and the validating and the empathizing of the hurt on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just thinking in our family, sometimes when somebody says, I'm sorry, the response is, for what? Ah, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, me, yeah, yeah. What exactly are you sorry for? Yes, like, for sure. Yeah. Right. They're it's asking. Not, it's not helpful. Even if what you did or said, in your opinion, there's nothing wrong with it and there's no bad intention or whatever, whatever it is, it's, it's just really, it literally doesn't matter what you do, but you are responsible for the impact that you have on others and full stop. You are responsible for the impact you have on others. Totally. Not their emotions. And you can't control their emotions. You You're not responsible. Emotions. Right. 
but if you are impacting them, you take responsibility for whatever action. Okay. So go through those four really quickly yep. again. You've got that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, this is the, the four step outside the moment repair process. And step one, you're doing by yourself. You're observing the trigger. Use that thought model, the circumstance, thought, feeling, action, and result. That's my favorite way to observe what the heck just happened. And then you move actually into interacting with your partner again, once your brain is untriggered. And then, so step two is scheduling it with your partner, actually getting their consent to have this conversation because if they're not ready, this conversation is just not going to go great. Right. Or a teen, right. Just getting their consent. So schedule it and then own it first, just taking responsibility for your part in the dance. What's the impact you had? And then step four is understand it. So that's where you're validating and empathizing and really in their world of telling them they make sense and their emotions make sense. I love that. Thank you, Erica. This is so valuable. I feel like this is something that we can take and use right now in the next hour. For sure. Like it's it's so actionable. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah, of course. Of course. And just at the end of the day, it's like if you're feeling some sort of feeling that you aren't liking the feeling of it, an uncomfortable feeling of sorts, right? Just go write a page of notes, just dump those thoughts out of your head. Because that is the heart of the work that I do is just starting to separate you from your thoughts. Yes, I love that. And you know what, I actually have a freebie that I'm going to post a link again on my show notes to this. Yeah. Of the thought model that includes the brain dump page oh, yeah. and, and walks you through that process. Perfect. So even if you're just doing the brain dump yeah. part, it can be super helpful. Yes. Awesome. Just the brain dump. It's true. Awesome. Get it out of the head. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we close out, I would love for you to just describe and talk about the product that you offer. I know you yeah. shared a little bit about it in the previous episode, but talk to me about that a little bit. And then again, what you're sharing, I'm going to have in my show notes link. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Awesome. I do have a course called Connected Communication and that explores the internal dialogue we have with ourselves and then how that impacts the external dialogue we have with our partners or our kids or our moms (laughs) or our dads. (laughs) It's a six week self-study program that really takes you through this stuff and dives into the root of your triggers. I say too that your partner, your kids might be the domino that hits that trigger, but they're not the root. They're not the source of your trigger. That button will continue to get pushed until you resolve and heal that piece that's just agitated probably from childhood. And then just very practical tools like what we just went through in this episode of what do I do when blah, blah, blah. How do I approach this in the moment when I'm feeling defensive, right? I talk a lot about defensiveness and how to work with your partner's defensiveness and then how to work with your own defensiveness. And yes, all of these communication tools are, it's focused on romantic relationships, but it definitely applies to parent-child or friend really anything very actionable. And I do also want to highlight that your partner does not have to do this with you. This program is designed for you to do on your own. Yes. If they're interested and they want to dive in, absolutely. But to get results, you do not need your partner on board doing the program alongside you. Yeah. It's designed to put the power and responsibility right back in your hands to create the dynamics you want to see. I would say too, just as a note of encouragement and that situation that once you start shifting and changing, Mm -hmm. 
invariably so does the other person. Yes. The law of interconnectivity. Yes. (laughs) When we shift, they shift. And for all sorts of fun reasons, including those mirror neurons. Mirror neurons. I was going to say, yeah. And the brain science, like that's your jam for sure. Yeah, totally my jam. Yeah. And then outside of that, the connected communication self-study program, I do do one-on-one both with individuals and couples. That's pretty intense, real deal coaching program. And it's, yeah, it's no joke. You dive right into the root of what's going on there. And is that information on your website? My website is The Right Erica. And so that's my last name, W-R-I-G-H-T. E-R-I-C-A. And again, um, I'll have that link in my yeah. show notes. If you want yeah, there definitely. You know, if anyone's just even curious, what is it like to work with a coach and what's that experience all about? And you're just interested. I do offer free discovery calls as well, where we can hop on and just explore what the heck is going on and what would it look like to actually move forward? What does that action plan customize to your needs, to your goals and your relationship your family? Like, what does that look like? So awesome. yeah, don't hesitate okay. to hop on a call. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Erica. I have loved having you on. Thank you for these very practical steps that you've shared for the repair process. We just yeah. really appreciate it. It's been such a pleasure. And I'm such a fan of the work that you're doing. And I love how it's this family unit coming back into connection and peace and groundedness together. And when we ourselves are connected and grounded. It just has such a profound effect on the family unit as well. Yes, absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, Amy. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. Again, the things that you shared with us today are so practical. We can literally start implementing them as soon as we have finished listening to this podcast. Really just observe it, schedule it, own it, understand it. Four steps that while they're simple, aren't always easy, but they are always beneficial for our mental health and well-being. So just like with the last episode, Erica and I would love to hear about how you're putting these steps into practice. So if you want to share with us, we would just ask that you tag us or DM us on Instagram and let us know how it's going. You can find me at The Ish Girl Reads and you can find Erica at The Right Erica. And that's a play on her last name being Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. And there are links to both of our accounts in the episode show notes at theishgirl.com forward slash EP152. So again, if you want to work with Erica, check out those show notes as well. I have links for that there. Thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today, friend. I so appreciate you sharing your time with me. And please know that I am so honored to be part of your day. Okay, from an ish girl who is so super excited that I got to spend some great R&R time with my siblings and all our spouses this past week. That's right. I'm talking about you, Amanda and Aaron. I am so grateful to be in the middle of it together. 